Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Well, Tom, thank you. I'm joined by the Chief Executive of the British Horse Racing Authority, Julie Harrington, at a period where the BHA has come under significant criticism for its handling of the new whip regulations and at a time of really significant concern for the sport with the gambling review white paper still not published and no sign in the immediate future of any levy reform that will shore up the sport's finances. But uh, Julie Harrington, I want to start with the talk of the whip. As I'm talking to you now, which is on, on Friday morning, 11 o'clock uh, your time, uh, Paul Nichols has just issued a, a broadside against the, the BHA, 13 times champion trainer. I'm disappointed with the BHA. There are people in the BHA, they need to take a real look at themselves. Are they doing the right thing for the industry? I think they're letting us down, and I think this whole thing is wrong. We don't want to appease people who don't understand the game. I've been livid all along with the timing of it. Nothing seems to be simple with the BHA these days. We need a bit of backbone. The BHA need a bit of backbone. What do you say to that? Have you got the backbone, Julie, to be leading the sport? I'm obviously disappointed to hear those comments, Nick. Um, but actually, it does take, a, a, to use your words, backbone to to make some unpopular decisions. We know that, that there is um, huge passion on either, either side of um, the debate about the whip. And, and I have to be, um, you know, I have to be strong in that we are not um, pandering to to those people who will never love the sport. And what we're trying to do is make sure that the sport is fair um, and that also that it's as attractive as, attractive as possible to those people who don't have um, a strong opinion either way on the sport. But you're saying you're not you're not pandering and, and you've been quite clear that this is not a, an issue of, of, of perception and pandering to people that, that don't like horse racing. Yet in your comments at the Asian Racing Conference, you said Cheltenham is our shop window. We don't want 18 to 24s to think the sport is cruel. So you're saying it is about it is about perception. So I think uh, everybody would agree that you know there there is different sides and different um, schools of thought on whether the whip is a welfare issue. But I think what everybody does agree that it is a perception issue for the sport, um, and I think it would be negligent of us to know that and just sit and do nothing about it. Well, hang on, is it, is, it, is it a welfare issue or isn't it a welfare issue as far as the BHA is concerned? I think for those people who who work closely with horses, who um, you know. The, the WIT review panel on our behalf was filled with people who work really closely with horses. And their recommendation, their strong recommendation was con to continue to, to keep the WIT for encouragement because they believe it's not a welfare issue. So, so you're saying it is not a welfare issue now? Because So a minute ago you said there are debates around whether it is or isn't a welfare issue. Is it a welfare issue, according to the chief executive of the BHA? What does the chief executive of the BHA think? What do you think? Is it a is it an issue of welfare that a that a foam covered whip is used for your encouragement of a horse in a horse race per se? Nick, let me be clear. I do not believe that it is an issue of welfare, but I am also leading a sport where I know that there is a, a huge and passionate debate on both sides and difference of opinion there. 
Um, and But what I think we're all agreed on is that it is a perception issue. It's also a fairness issue that you know that a, a lot of the work that the panel was doing in, turn, in terms of making recommendations was to make sure that we have fair results, that if you, you know, if you are the connections of a horse that... Um, is riding within the rules and you lose out to a horse that is riding outside the rules and there needs to be sufficient deterrent to make sure that that is 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 fair and that there isn't that winner any cost mentality but isn't the truth of it that it's neither a welfare issue nor a perception issue isn't the truth of it it's about an authority a regulator being able to ensure that its participants abides by the rules that it sets down and to have confidence in those rules and to have confidence in its own ethics behind those rules. Isn't that the truth of this issue, Julie? Because the rules have to have a purpose, don't they, Nick? That the rules aren't, aren't you don't just say abide by the rules because we've decided what they are. But they have to have an ethical underpinning, surely, but you are the regulator you are the chief executive of the regulator so so your ethics inform that to a greater or lesser extent don't they well the reason it isn't just about my ethics the reason is that we set up a a committee is to make sure that we had a broad school of knowledge from trainers um jockeys and you know experts who whose strong recommendation was to keep the the whip you know because it is recognised as a, a useful tool in, in horsemanship, um, in terms of getting a horse um, to engage, to get a horse safely uh, around the course, but also to engage and give of its best. Um, because we want competition to be fair, um, and you know we also want to, to ensure that we are perceived by... Um, the, the broadest possible audience that we want the you know we love racing those people who are close to racing um understand this and we know that there is there is still broad um a difference of opinion in those people who love racing what we want to do is get past this and make sure that we are engaging as many people as possible in the sport that we all love you're setting yourself up for a communications disaster at Cheltenham and Aintree, aren't you? Given the way that, the, given the timing of this. So, from a you know that we know that there is always passionate debate around the whip. Um, there is never a, a good time um, to make changes. Making changes difficult. Um, we actually announced the recommendations back in July last year, uh, and have been working through that period of technical discussions it was you know the most thorough consultation that the BHA has ever done um working through those technical discussions um working with the PJA um when you know later in the day there were, it was clear that there were some issues um so and really let me, let me, I, I, I want to let you finish Julie I don't want to interrupt you but I do want to just get to this point on the PJA Clearly, jockeys felt disenfranchisement through every step of this process, even though there were two senior jockeys on the whip review committee. Why was your relationship with the PJA not significantly robust to be checking this at every step of the every step of the process? Where, where, where was your relationship with key stakeholders during this process? We were 
liaising with the PGA throughout the process, Nick, that it, there was a steady stream of strong communication. I think one of the learnings through this process, um, and we've had a very open conversations with colleagues at the PGA, is we need to make sure that those bodies in the sport that are representing stakeholder groups are truly representing those groups. Um, and whether that's trainers, whether that's jockeys, because you know we've we've worked hard on putting a new governance structure in place to make sure that we can move the sport forward without rights of veto. All those things I've talked to you about before, but unless we can be confident that those stakeholders who are representing self-employed people, broad stakeholder groups, truly are representing them, and it's really difficult. So is it the PJA's fault then that the jockeys weren't communicated with properly? I think the jockeys are busy people. Um, we have communicated direct with with jockeys. We've met with lots of groups of jockeys throughout this and communicated through the PJA. But I think they have agreed that they could have handled it better. So then you get a situation whereby you've got a deputation of senior jockeys. They go to the board. You realise that some of the recommendations... Uh, need to need to be uh, rescinded, particularly the forehand backhand issue, and then you do a trade off with the jockeys, which has had the effect that the, the key recommendations in in the whip review uh, committee's report have been have been changed, and yet still a broad corpus of the jockeys aren't happy. So you've done a trade off. Nobody's happy with the BHA. How is that possibly good strong leadership? That whenever you're making changes to the rules there will be people who disagree um speaking direct to jockeys who are representing the whole weighing room um and the pja um they wanted um the these stronger penalties um and you know there is a, a clear understanding that those rules are in place now um and that it's up to them to to now make sure that they are riding within those rules we are you know we have been really pleased um, seeing how hard they've worked to make the adjustments. You have seen in the last few weeks um, how um, you know, they're professional athletes and they have been making changes to ride within the new rules. Um, so, yeah, I, I commend them for that. Julie, a, a few months ago, the, the Jockey Club began an advertising campaign for, for Cheltenham where there was a picture of Aplutar and Rachel Blackmore with the whip airbrushed out. Do you think the Jockey Club were, were right to have a campaign with the whip airbrushed out of a, a poster? Look, I, I know that the Jockey Club are, are hugely proud uh, of jump racing. Um, and I know they use a huge and broad array of of advertising materials and photography. Um, you know, it's not for me to, to criticise them on an individual point, um, but they will use a, a broad array of images, some with the whip, some without, to promote um, the but, sport. But, this, but this, gets, this gets to the absolute nub of that. And I, uh, this, this isn't a, an attack on the Jockey Club per se, but it, this the, your opinion on this gets right to the nub of this. That What does the leadership of the BHA believe when it's its most significant racecourse holdings group puts out a poster with a what we now have said to the public is a key tool of the trade airbrushed out of it. What do you think? Do you think they were right to airbrush that whip out or not? 
look, I, I think that's a question for the Jockey Club. But my, it's um, but it's not Julie, because it's a question that I'm asking you as Julie Harrington, as chief executive of the BHA. I'm not trying to be difficult. It's do you think it was right that the Jockey Club airbrushed the whip out of the picture? My personal opinion, Nick, is that we need different marketing tools to appeal to different audiences, um, and that was a choice that they made. No, that, that that that's not so. So you, you you're saying they're right to have, have airbrushed the whip. I, I guess you're trying to push me to say I, well, I. I'm not. I'm not pushing. It's really. It's kind of a yes or no okay. in, in a sense. I think it was a decision for the jockey club. Um, I, I should imagine it's something in hindsight that that they wish they hadn't done. Okay, so it sounds to me like if you were creating an overarching campaign for British racing, and let's face it, the sports marketing arm, Great British Racing, is part of the BHA. So you have, you know, an overview, an overarching view of the strategy for marketing the sport. You as that person, you as that person in authority says, no, the sport's got to be shown as it is. Hasn't it? I think I am hugely, you know, what attracted me to racing, I came to racing through betting. I think I've mentioned that before, but... I then was attracted into jump racing. You know, that was my first love of the sport, um, and I am proud of it. Um, and I am confident that having involved, you know, some of the most experienced horsemen and women in that um, whip consultation panel, um, their strong recommendation was that um, using the the whip for encouragement is. Um, an important part of horsemanship and I I completely support that view I am also um, trying to ensure that that judicious use of the whip that we are not those marginal people not the people who will never come racing not the fans but those marginal people who could be swayed either way that we're doing everything we can to remove any barriers and a more judicious use of the whip um, is just one of a package of many things um, about making sure that we're attractive as possible. Um, but also I think we're skimming over the fairness point, Nick, that, you know, that there is, um, racing is competitive and we need to make sure that our rules are encouraging high integrity and fairness. And, you know, that win at all cost mentality and no deterrent for somebody in, in the big races operating outside the rules is something that that these um recommend or the rules address julia i want to move on from the whip and i want to talk about the funding of the sport and it's an absolutely critical period and not long after you took the role in in mid 2021 uh, you said that investing in a sustainable future for racing is going to require significant funding and with the levy shortfall we are struggling to pay today's bills let alone invest in the future, the levy yield is going to go down again uh, next year. How is the sport going to pay today's bills? Look, Nick, it is it is incredibly difficult that the um, the Gambling Act white paper still hasn't been published. You know, I, I think I made those com comments not long after joining, so two years in, I've now had six sports ministers and and I think four secretaries of state. Yeah. And um, and each time we are doing a huge amount to educate um, those people in terms of the importance of British racing, to educate them just how the funding works, that 
Um, you know, there is this misnomer about prize money and they think that, oh, well, well prize money is just um, for rich people who can already afford racehorses. And, th and they don't understand that that's how money flows through our sport and is distributed. So it's been a constant, um, you know, and regular pace of work to make sure that not only the politicians but the, the officials who work within those departments who there is a bit more stability understand the unintended consequences of uh, to racing of anything in the white paper um, that could be damaging, but also understands the need mm. to ensure that we're on a level playing field from um, a levy point of view. And um, it, it's incredibly frustrating. Julie, of those six ministers... And of those four secretaries of state, how many have you had face-to-face -face meetings with in that period? All of them, and all of them, and um, and spent considerable amount of time with them. Got them racing, um, but, you know. So Paul Scully, for example, um, you will have seen over the period of time he was in the post, his language begin to change away from affordability checks onto more risk-based checking. Um, and that's a, a direct result of, you know, a lot of hard work on lobbying behind the scenes um, and making sure that they understand um, the economics uh, of sport, that, you know, we are a national asset. British racing um, on the global stage is a national asset. We're a major employer with a second biggest spectator sport and and making sure that um, the people who are are making decisions around the Gambling Act white paper, but also any other legislation. You know, it's not just the gambling and sports team that we work with. It's people like DEFRA in terms of movement of racehorses. It's people like um, those working in employment in terms of how do we make sure that we can bring in people with the right skills and it's also not just the party that's in power, Nick. It's really important that we're also building understanding and um, not just a, of racing's importance, it's, it's economics, it's importance to the rural economy, um, with the, the shadow cabinet as well. And, and we've, so we're doing a huge amount of um, liaison across both sides of the house because I, I, I don't know whether you remember, but in the last general election Labour's manifesto did have um, looking at, at banning the whip as one of their policy points and making sure that um, should there be a change of government, there's a greater understanding of um, racing's huge contribution, both to the social fabric. You know, what I'm really interested in is, is how do we um, work together on the industry strategy to get um, more owners more fans more betters engaged with the sport make sure we're more relevant in their lives and that includes politicians politicians are people too and you know we met um alex davis jones yesterday who's the the shadow um would be the shadow post holder for racing um and and just making sure that they understand how racing works, that they become a fan of it, that they know that their constituents are fans of the sport.
So getting the message out to the to the MPs and the parliamentarians is, is one thing. But I want to specifically go back to where I started this question, which was about levy reform yes. and the prospect of levy reform on the table. Do you still believe, does British horse racing still believe that the key to its future financial success is reforming the levy from a, a gross profits model to a turnover model and to, to making sure that the bets that are struck on, on racing that doesn't take place on these shores, uh, the levy is captured on that as well. Do you still hold to that as your central plank of funding the sport moving forward? It's part of it, Nick. You know, there, there has got to be um, a focus on that and making sure that we have a level, a level playing field, particularly with our closest racing jurisdictions of Ireland and France. Um so that is part of a potential solution, but also making sure that the revenue streams that we, you know, we've done a huge amount of self-help, you know, in the absence of um, levy reform, we've done a huge amount of self-help, the, you know, the amount of money coming through. I mean, just, right you, let's, just, let's just sort of try and get an assessment of where we are on this. I mean, how far down the track is is levy reform do you think 2024 was the date set for it to be to be looked into um yep. have you had any indication from anyone i realize it's been a volatile time in government have you had any indication from anyone that this is anywhere near being put on the table again i'm sure you will have read various reports that it was going to be part of the white paper um but that was probably two ministers ago <laughs> um and so you know we uh, and, you, and you just said self-help and when and when when ministers see you know, horses making millions of pounds at, at Tattersalls, and as you say, perceive of the sport as a as a a, a rich person's sort of plaything, they're going to say, "Yeah, sort yourselves out. We're not we're, we're not we don't need to help you out by 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 increasing taxation on on independent operators." And that's why it's been really important that we get that face time with the ministers because it is quite complicated. You know, if, if if it's a cricket club, a rugby club, they're paying the wages of the people on the field of play. Just just that simple message that prize money is actually um, our distribution mechanism for how um, money flows through the sport um, is, is often a sort of penny drop moment um for for people in um in government and so the understanding that that is about supporting 80,000 jobs a majority of which are in the rural economy um but it's also about you know th this is a sport enjoyed by tens of thousands by millions of of just normal folk Julie who's running the sport I would say I don't know whether you're expecting me to go. I am Nick, but the I, I would say what is the new governance structure is clear that the BHA board um, is the ultimate decision making authority. But what is really important, and I think what has been missing, is we compete with one another. That it is only by working collectively on some of the big issues for the sport that we're going to make progress. I am somebody who enjoys collegiate working pulling people together um and and i'm good at it you know getting people to come together to solve some problems is the only way we are going to to make some changes we if we all continue to just plow our own furrow you're looking at managed decline nick and you know when we had our, our industry strategy session at the back end of last year, where we pulled everybody together from across the sport, representing owners, trainers, jockeys, racing staff, race courses, 
um, with a data presentation that showed, you know, the warning lights are flashing here. We need to work together. Um, and so everybody's got to have some skin in the game. This is not about, um, you know, the BHA making a decision and everybody's marking its homework. People have to put some skin in the game and be involved in the work. Um, and I'm really pleased to say that, you know, the, the new governance structure and the committees that sit beneath the BHA board to do that work are working really well. The, the commercial committee that's been meeting monthly, which is, is tasked with looking at our racing product for 2024, we've now got data sharing in place. So when we're looking at more competitive racing, we can actually do that being cited of what uh, what impact that could have on the finances. And of course, there are robust conversations in those meetings, but there's collective ownership. But ultimately, the BHA board will be the decision maker. Um, and that is why it was so important that we sorted out the governance. You say you're someone who enjoys working in a collegiate fashion and, and bringing people together. Do you enjoy leading? Do you enjoy being the person with whom the buck stops, which has very much been the theme of the last few weeks. Where where are our leaders? What are the BHA doing? We need to see more of them, hear more of them. You and you in particular. Yeah, and and Nick, I think there is time to be out. You know, I'm, I'm I've talked to you on several um, occasions in the last year, but that there is time to be out and talking but there is also time to go do you know what we just need to let this bed in we need to give the jockeys we need to give the officials we need to give the racing review committee time the whip review committee rather time to actually get this into a rhythm and working we can if we came out at the end of every day and gave a running commentary to what end? It may be that people want us to, but we 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 need um, to give some time for this to to bed in. Are you enjoying this job? Look, I think whenever you you're in a leadership position in sport, there is an element um, of um, criticism that comes with the territory because people are passionate about sport, um, and I'm passionate about this sport. Um, and so, you know, I would say at times it gets a little bit personal, but I knew that that came with the territory um, and, you know, change is never easy. And do you know what, Nick, we could have had an easy time for the last couple of years if we'd have said we don't need to change the governance. We don't need to get everybody working together on an industry strategy. We don't need to look at the whip reveal view, whip, whip, whip rules rather. Um, and you know, I could have been just racing every week and, and and sticking to the knitting. Actually, making changes is difficult, but we've chosen to do that. And um, we've chosen to do it because I really want more people to be engaged with the sport. Um, and everything that we're doing is about trying to ensure that we've got a a thriving, flourishing sport that has got the best horses in the world. Um, you know, we know that we've got incredibly talented trainers, jockeys, breeders, and and I, I just want as many people to engage with that as possible. You've got to win the confidence back of some of those trainers who have lost confidence in the BHA, some of those jockeys who've lost confidence in the BHA. How are you going to do that? I think 
Nick is going to be about spending uh, spending time and having open conversations, and um, and I'm committed to doing that. Julie Harrington, thanks very much. Thanks very much, Nick. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastia Cruel Dubai.